Uh, <clears throat> she's oh. the alcohol or my cold medicine would kick in. Hopefully both. <laughs> Some combination there and everything yeah. feels a little better. This time on Magnificent, we recount our early days as Apple users. It's episode 32 of Magnificent. I'm Ian Fuchs, and with me again, MacTrass.com senior editor, Mr. Chris Houck. Hello, Mr. Houck. Hey, Mr. Fuchs, how the heck are you? I am doing very well in the wake of some very, very slow Apple news. Oh, dear God, it's so frickin' slow. I've been I've been hoping somebody that like an Apple executive would shoot somebody or something just <laughs> to give me something to write about. I mean, I'm not, you know, okay, maybe not that. Just wound them. I don't want them killed. Just wound somebody. Yeah, it's it's been crazy. Like you had the uh, the March event, and the FBI vacated the the thing with the San Bernardino San Bernardino iPhone, and it was like as soon as those two things happened, it was like radio silence out of the Apple world. Yeah, everybody just went, oh, that's, that's all there is to say. Let's, uh, we'll shut down for the spring. We'll come back in the summer, see if anything's going on. So uh, I, I think the only really major milestone thing to talk about is April 1st was the 40th anniversary, 40th birthday, rather, of Apple as a company. And I thought it would be kind of fun for us to go through um, just some milestones in our lives as they relate to Apple and kind of talk about, uh, you know, some favorites and some some things that shaped our, our love of this great fruit company. So Apple history according to Ian and Chris. Something like that. Use the echo chamber on that to make it really sound cool. <laughs> I, I can definitely do that. All right. Um. So, uh, I, I think it's it's most fair to start with uh, something that we kind of brushed on, I guess, the last time we talked, and that's the the first Apple product you owned, and what I guess to tie into that, what was the first Apple product you used if that wasn't it? For me, the the owned and the used probably came together. I uh, my first product I ever owned, first Apple product, was thirty gigabyte iPod Classic. Had the little what two or three inch color video screen and the, the wheel to control everything. Um, I think I bought it. I think my ex wife got one, and so I had to have one. So I took it home, hooked it up to my Windows computer, what is what I how I rolled at the time, and uh, downloaded iTunes. And it's like you know, within twenty minutes, I've got music on it and a video, and I'm playing with it, and it's like. You know, the, the other MP3 players or the other media players I'd had before, I think I'd had one by Creative and another by Rio. Does that sound right? Uh, that does sound right to me. Yeah. Um, Diamond Rio or somebody like that. Uh, or maybe that's a group. I don't know. Anyway, um, it would take, you know, hours to get set up and then they would never run right. And they were always getting errors and things like that. Where with the iPod Classic, it would ju- it just rolled, baby. It just went. And it was a beautiful thing, and that just that that's actually going to be the answer to number three, an upcoming question you have here. But uh, but yeah, the, the 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 iPod Classic was the first one I ever owned and really used in any great amount. What yeah. about you, sir? For me, it was the first generation iPod Nano, hmm. um, which had an even smaller screen and even less storage than 
than the one you had, uh, but it was still a color screen. You could load photos on it, but not video. Um, and it was a Christmas, my senior year of high school gift. Um, and my mom had it engraved to say, uh, Ian Fuchs at the top. And then below that, don't forget to study because apparently she was convinced that listening to music would distract me from, from doing schoolwork. Little rock, did she rock know. Rock and roll does rot your mind. That's true. Little did she know that, uh. 90% of the time through college when I was working on homework or doing actual schoolwork, I was also listening to music. So actually, it was kind of the inverse. It was like, it should have been used this to study, not don't forget to study. <laughs> um, but that was the first one I ever owned. Uh, but for me, uh, the first product I ever used was actually uh, many a year before that. Um, and I, I had pulled it up the other day just so I knew uh, which which Macintosh it was, but it was the Macintosh 2, which was the uh, released in 1987 model, and it was my grandma's computer, and I would go and visit her, uh, with our family would go and visit her a couple times a year, and I remember playing just random games on it and thinking, this is so much cooler than the computer I have at home, and like they were stupid games. Like there were a- asteroids, like which is not a fancy game, or Spectre, which I never understood as a kid how to play, but it was a game that I played, and then this Pizza Delivery Boy game, which uh, I can't for the life of me figure out what it was called, uh, because Pizza Delivery Boy is not it. You sure you weren't watching a porn channel on your grandma's Mac? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pizza uh, Delivery Boy sounds familiar. Yeah, the whole premise of the game was you like drove from the pizza shop around these different zones of town and delivered the pizza and then would drive back and get and the next still pizza and do it. Porn movie here. Yeah, it could be. Um, was everything a hot pepperoni? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay, it was probably something different. Carry on. Uh, but that was that was the first thing I remember doing on a, on a Mac or, or an Apple product. I guess technically it was a Mac, the Macintosh. Um, and then you fast forward a couple of years. I I learned to type on a Mac. Uh, I don't remember what model of Mac it was, but I learned uh, keyboard skills on a Mac uh, in Catholic school, no less. And from there, I learned video editing on an iMac. The, uh, what is it, Bondi Blue? Oh, yeah. And uh, that was really the the jumping off point for me, Um, which I guess leads into this next thing of what pulled you into the ecosystem. For me, it was video editing, and and learning learning that on the iMac in middle school that completely convinced me that I no longer wanted to own a Windows machine, but instead I wanted to own a Mac because I wanted to edit videos and do creative things, and the Mac was the tool for that. Uh, I'm similar. Uh, really, like, you know, I mentioned I got the iPod Classic, and it was so easy to use, and that's when I thought, and it was right about that time that Apple went to Intel inside. So I, at the time I worked in IT and did desktop support. So I was spending the day uh, fixing Windows issues. And then I'd go home and I'd always be running updates and fixing issues on my computer and my wife's computer. And so along about that time, I got a bonus, which I used this windfall for. Let me get this black MacBook. I figured even if I didn't like it, I could still probably sell it for what I paid for it. So uh took it home, had it set up in about 15 minutes, and never looked back. It's probably on my fourth or fifth MacBook now. 
God knows how many iOS and other devices I've bought. So it uh, I definitely got sucked in pretty quickly. So of of the collective of Apple devices that you have owned, because I'm sure not only are there many of Macs, there are many other things too. What has been your favorite and why? You know, it's got to be the one device that when it was announced, I said, no, nah, I'm not going to get that. Um, the iPhone. Once I touched it and played with it at the Apple store, it was over for me. And I think I've bought almost every version they've debuted every year, pretty close. And I just, I can't imagine life without it. I like the iPad. Uh, I love my Mac. Uh, the Apple Watch is great. Apple TV, one of my favorite things in the whole world. But the iPhone's got to be tops. I, for me, it's a hard decision. I I tend to agree with that. My first iPhone was an iPhone 3G. And it, that was really also my first smartphone. So for me, it's hard to separate what of that was my favorite because of, was it because of the device? Was it because of the connectivity of it? Um, and that was like, once apps were already a thing now on iPhone, uh, I remember having like TweetBot or TweetDeck, not, not TweetBot, TweetDeck, um, and looking at Twitter on it and having Facebook on it and thinking, this is the coolest thing ever. This is going to revolutionize the world. Um, but I think probably of all of my Apple devices that I've owned, I have to say my favorite was actually, and this is probably a controversial opinion, but I think it was the first generation iPad. Really? I don't, I don't know what it was. I think, I think it was one of those devices, kind of like you said, you, you, you looked at it when the keynote happened and you were like, the iPhone, that's, that's a joke. Why would I ever want that? And I remember reading all the rumor sites leading up to the iPad introduction and everybody thought it was going to be the iSlate or the iTablet or iTab or whatever they were going to call it. And everybody thinking it was going to be this gimmick. And I remember thinking the same thing. This is a joke. Why would anybody want this? This is stupid. And as a joke, I told my boss at the time, hey, we should get iPads. And he was like, yeah, that's a great idea. We should. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't expect that reaction. <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> so so he, he ordered two uh, I think they were maybe 32 gig was the big one at the time. That yeah, sounds right. Uh, he ordered two, one for him and one for me. And I remember the second that I got it, I was like, this is crazy. Like the number of things that I could do on that and like simple things. Like I would watch Netflix on it and the fact that it, I could just hold it. It was no longer required to sit on a desk or anything like that. It was just a thing I could hold in my hands and want to watch Netflix on. And like I immediately saw how that was going to like shape the way that we do at least some computing now fast forward to today and I look at it and I'm like I use my Mac for 90% of what I do anyway and I love my Air 2 but that that device to me I think was my favorite because it it was kind of a turning point in how I thought about computing your eyes to a different yeah exactly yeah that was pretty much it with the iPhone with me I mean even the first iPhone I bought was the first iPhone and for the first year, we didn't have apps. Right. We had web apps. You don't need apps. And uh, yep. And I had a friend who had an iPhone who had jailbroken it. 
and he actually about a week about a week before uh, they introduced the uh, iPhone 3G, they uh, he sh- he showed me a bunch of different apps, and I was just about convinced to uh, jailbreak it. And then I actually broke, literally broke my iPhone, dropped it. I had dropped it a hundred times. If you remember, the back was aluminum on the with top. That little, with that little plastic knocker at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, the plastic thing on the bottom and the rest of it was aluminum top. And I had dropped it a hundred times, never broke the screen or anything like that. Getting in bed that very night, went over to plug it into the charger, slipped out of my hand. I had a power strip next to the bed. It hits the corner of the power strip right on the iPhone's power button and jams the power button and dents in the aluminum case and holds the power button in. So all it did was reboot and reboot and reboot until finally oh it got out again. And my ex-wife to this day claims I dropped it and broke it so I could get the new iPhone the next week. Truth or not, that's pretty funny. Yeah. I told her I would have waited another week until I could, I wouldn't have went a week without a phone. I'd broken, Come on. I would have broken the screen when the new one was out. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something right, you know. I'm not going to go for a week without it. Right. But, uh, but I, I remember when the iPad was introduced to you, that was really great. I mean, everybody first thought, and, and I was one of them, hey, it's just going to be a big screened iPhone. Yep. But yep. there were so many different things you could do with it. You know, if if the apps were written right, people actually took time to to write tablet-sized mm-hmm. apps for it. And, you know, within the first six months, it you could see what it brought to the table. Right. Well, and for me, I think it was also a big turning point in how I consumed things. Because I, you know, I, I never, I still to this day don't really watch much video on my phone other than like some short YouTube videos and stuff like that. Right. Um, but it was the, the thing that pushed me from watching Netflix on my computer. And this is all pre- connected TV stuff, really. Yeah. I mean, there was stuff out, but it wasn't as, as readily available. Right. Um, and it was the first device where I was like, this is how I'm going to watch movies and TV shows on Netflix. Um, and I also, something about the design of the first gen, while it was the only one that had that design, something about those like squared off edges with the slightly rounded back was just really nice. Yeah, it was, I mean, I ended up buying one. I bought one... Uh just before I started work at the Apple store, which made sense. I was to do it before you get the employee discount. Of course. Um, but, uh, and, and I truly, you know, it did, it changed the way I consumed content. Um, I, that's when I truly started reading, uh, uh, you know, eBooks and, and, uh, started looking more for, uh, the towards consuming video on the bigger screen. Like mm-hmm. And at the time, the the iPhone itself had what the, still had the three and a half inch screen, didn't it? When, it, when the first iPhone came out, um, I, th- I mean, think we're still looking at the yeah, iPhone four or five. It was, 4S, I think it came out around the same time as the iPhone four. Yeah. So and now with the bigger screen six plus, I don't miss it as much. Like I, I I think I said on a previous cast, I finally my wife used her iPad. She had my old iPad three, and she used it much more than I used my Air. So I just you know, restaged my air and gave her the air, and now I've got the three, and I have no idea how she used that thing. Man, it's slow. <laughs> but uh, and about all I do right now on it is is read, uh, you know, on iBooks or on Kindle app. So sure. um, it works perfect for me. I pick it up at night and before I go to bed. But uh, I probably will get the Pro. The I'm leaning towards the smaller Pro. 
I don't know. I go back and forth between it. Yeah, that's that's my problem too. Is I'm like, yeah, I I can agree with you, but I can also want the twelve point nine, but I also don't want the giant thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I yeah, it's going to come right down to the to the wire, which one I'm going to get. So. So, uh, similar to favorite devices. Uh, and possibly it could even be the same. What was the most influential device to you, whether it was to you personally or in your opinion to the mass market? Again, I have to go with the iPhone. Okay. Before the iPhone, um, so-called smartphones had, well, I mean, you had what, the BlackBerry and... That's pretty maybe, much it. <laughs> and maybe one Android had come out. Uh, Can't no. Remember, but no. Uh, or at least, okay, the one I'm thinking of is was actually an Android test phone mm-hmm. you've seen photos of because it, it had the the little trackball on it like some of the uh blackberries did yep and i used a blackberry at the time for work and it had a, the the physical keyboard on it and i guess you know the the legend is that after steve showed the iphone that day the google guys were calling each other like crap we gotta change the way we're doing this yep so you know i, I really think and, and even blackberry went tried to go to an all touch screen and and it just changed. Uh, I mean, it literally killed the BlackBerry mm-hmm. between it and, and uh, Android. It's it. I mean, BlackBerry went from what ninety some percent of the business market down to three percent or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, some crappy uh, percentage. So I'd have to say it would be the iPhone, and to a lesser extent, the iPad. I think it's it, the most influential device, both to me personally, and I think to the market. Um, even predates that by a couple of years. I think it was the iPod. Um, I, I remember mowing my parents' yard and our neighbor's yard as a summer job with my little CD player, you know, strapped to my hip. And that, you know, the anti-jog, whatever they called mm-hmm. that, where it would read ahead. And and how terrible of an experience that was. And <laughs> the first time I... I went on a walk or run or whatever with an, with an iPod or when I was moving around with an iPod and the fact that it wasn't skipping, I was like, this is the future, whatever this is doing and the interface and the ease of syncing with iTunes. It's like this, this has to be the future is it just, it was so much different than everything else. And then obviously then that inspired the way the iPhone works. It inspired the way the iPad works. It inspired to uh, to some extent, I think it inspired the Apple Watch, um, and so it's kind of it was kind of the the catalyst for all of this change down the line, and so to me that that was why I that's that's my pick for that I think. Yeah, I can see your point there. Um, flip side of that, <laughs> da, da, da. this this might be our, our favorite one to look at because it's funny to think about. What was the most epic fail? or your least favorite or most underwhelming slash disappointing uh, Apple product. And this doesn't have to be one you owned just in general for Apple as the, a company. I think, I mean, you could always say Lisa, which was the forerunner to, to the Mac, um, overpriced, underpowered, something, no business actually really wanted at the time. But my probably my favorite failure from Apple 
is really probably not even it's it's not even something they actually manufactured themselves. They license it out to a Japanese firm. I don't pronounce it right. Bandai, Bandai. Uh, it was called the Pippin, and it was uh, back in what ninety six, I believe. I think it only was created or manufactured for two years, ninety six and ninety seven. The whole idea was to compete with the PlayStation, the Saturn, uh, Nintendo, whatever it was at the time. Whether that have been the sixty four, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, it was basically a stripped down Macintosh, had a four four times seed, speed CD-ROM, video output to connect to a standard television, had a built-in 144K modem, uh, and it, the whole idea was it was supposed to play games, and also it could act as a thin client. I think it would get you on the internet with a built-in browser, and uh, uh, it had uh, probably maybe 18, 20 games. Uh, had a controller that came with it. It was a horrible little thing. Um, it, it may have been, could have been handled better. If it had a little more software support, it might have made it. But I think it was never actually sold in the United States, except maybe by one of those uh, inventory blowout type companies, mail order companies. Sure. I saw ads for them uh, about a year after it was discontinued. So that would be my candidate for biggest flop. Although, like I said, the Lisa, uh, Macintosh TV um, are good candidates for that. Wow. I don't know that I could have uh, come up with that. I, I was thinking just from a, a usability and design aspect. Oh, I was as thinking as... from this damn thing didn't sell. <laughs> the, uh, the thing I was thinking of is the, the third generation tampon iPod shuffle. Um, uh, okay the one that had no buttons and no interface. And so everything was controlled with the, looked the like headphone. A little looked like a little pack of gum or something, didn't it? It's smaller than that even. It was like two chiclets. It was like, maybe it was smaller than a USB drive. Yes. And it, it, uh, like I said, all the controls were done with the, the remote. And, uh, or the remote on the headphones. So that was, it, it was just one of those products where it was like, I understand what you're trying to do here, but I think for me it was like the lack of any easy connectivity like in a car right, or anything like that just made it kind of a, a flop. It got like too me, simple. Right. Because for me that was one of the places that I always used my iPod was in the car. I'd put it in the glove box. And so it was one of those products where I was like, well, this is a cool idea, but... So I think that's... Probably where I was like eh, a little let down by it. Um, I, I would say a close runner-up would be third-generation iPad because it was the the iPad with the Retina display that still had the 30-pin connector that they immediately replaced five months later with the fourth-generation iPad. Yeah, and the processor was underpowered. <laughs> and as and the, proce the processor was way underpowered on the third gen, and they fixed that in the fourth. And it was one of those where I was just like. Like I, I had just bought my third gen, and then the fourth gen came out right after the return period was over, and I was so let down. Yeah, I'm, I'm still using my third gen, and God, it is slow. I mean, it wasn't. I guess because you didn't really have anything to compare it to when it first came out, it was okay. But as uh, you know, newer devices were released, or even newer iPhones were released, you could tell how it would chug. And yeah, now what I need to 
charge uh, the darn thing. I always have to look for the 30-pin connector. We've only got one or, one or two cables left laying around here. I have like 8,000 lightning cables. And that's yeah. a conservative estimate. I remember there was a time when that was very, very different. Oh, yeah. We still have uh, a 30-pin... Um, what am I trying to say? Gee, it's a uh, clock radio. Yeah, clock radio that has a 30-pin connector for the old iPod. And uh, my wife still uses it with her second or th second generation, maybe, iPod Touch. Uses it in her art area to listen to music. She's got a bunch of music loaded on it. And I don't even think she can actually sync it anymore or anything because she, she doesn't have the password for that Apple account anymore. <laughs> Just stuck with whatever's on it. But. Yeah, well. It's there. It's got music. Yeah, it's her it plays music. things. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I think I got two more. Um, what was the most memorable ad campaign that mm. you remember out of Apple? I mean, the the one everybody remembers probably the most is the first one, the nineteen eighty four Super Bowl ad. But as far as the one I enjoyed the most, a lot of the Mac versus PC ads. Yes. <laughs> loved those. Even, I mean, I enjoyed those even when I wasn't an Apple user. Um, and there was one ad that was done by Will Ferrell. Starred Will Ferrell. What? Yeah, I can't even remember the damn theme of it now, but... It, it's actually, it, I saw, I, I forgot all about it, and I actually saw it in a, uh, it was a Christmas one. He plays Santa Claus. Yeah. If you do <laughs> Apple Will Ferrell ad in Google or Bing, it'll come up with all of them. There's actually a bunch of different versions. Very Will Ferrell goofy type snarky ads. It was, it was actually, there was remember the Switch ads? Uh, remember the girl who apparently was on cough syrup or something when she did the ad? No. And she goes, like, wow. I mean, she looks like she's high. Looks like she just got out of a room full of smoke. And they pulled her over and said, hey, do this ad. And you haven't seen that one? I don't think so. Oh, man. I'll, to, I'll, find, I'll find the link and send it to you. That's so great. But anyway, they had these switch ads, why, why people switched to Apple to the Mac and it wasn't one of their more popular ones, but they had some high points in it. Hmm. Yeah. I'd, for me, I don't know what my favorite ad campaign was. I really, really liked the, probably the original iPhone ads, or maybe it was when the iPhone 3G came out and it was always the hand came up holding the iPhone and it would oh, yeah. click through, and it was like narrated, but they were super simple back when it was about highlighting the device, not the people. And uh, so I always really enjoyed those ads. Um, I also really like the, uh, uh, was the iPad Air when they did the Your Story? Yeah. Those, ones, those ones are really cool ads. Um, unfortunately, I think they kind of over sold what the what the iPad would be used for because I think if you really showed an accurate depiction of what the iPad was used for 90% of the time it would be people just sitting in a meeting taking notes on their iPad 
and or playing Angry Birds. <laughs> but it was it was a fun series. Um and one that sticks in my head. There's also been some really good ones recently where they're like like the holiday ones are always really touching. Um you know, there was the one what a a year or so ago where the girl remade her grandma and grandpa singing. Oh yeah. That the Christmas one, ones are always great. Those are always really good. But that's what you expect out of out of an ad campaign like that. So I like the one from I think it's two years ago with the kid who looks like he's just being your typical stereotypical teenager, didn't want anything to do with the family at Christmas. He's always on his iPhone. He's not paying attention to what they're doing. And then on Christmas Day, he plays them this video. He's been taking all this video of them doing all this stuff and makes the video as a gift for the family. Remember that? Uh, yes, I do. And everybody thinks he's just ignoring everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't want to be having to do with that you guys. One, that was a really good one, too. Another one of those very touching ones. Uh, look at this. Video's coming in. Yeah. Perfect. There will be uh, links to these wonderful ad campaigns in the show notes for anybody who, who cares to rewatch them. Um, final, final thing for the recounting our lives as Apple users. What was your favorite keynote moment? Hmm. You know, I've been thinking about that ever since I saw it on the show notes. Yeah, it sounds like a broken record, but real fond of the moment when the iPhone was introduced. <laughs> it's a a phone, an internet communicator, and a music player. Is that what uh, it was? Yeah, I don't, I'm, yeah. I don't know if yeah. that was the right order or not. Yeah, we, you know, yeah, and just when he showed it to everybody, it was kind of cool. You know, I remember watching it on on streaming at work, um, and. Uh, and even though I still went, no, I'm not going to get it. No, it's just not worth it. Especially since it wasn't subsidized, you had to pay 700 bucks straight out for it, or something like that. Or I, I think it was like 500 for the four gig model or something. I, I believe that's correct. Is there was basically no contract pricing on it because Apple wouldn't agree to the carrier subsidies. Yeah, and uh, so I was like, well, no freaking way, no. But uh, that was still quite a moment when showed it and just showed how it worked and everything. And, and that was probably my, my favorite keynote, if not keynote moment. I, I can't really think of anything else that's really struck me that way. Maybe it's because now if, before we have any keynotes, we've already beat the shit out of it with rumors and, so there's just no what to expect. There's no magic anymore. Right. There's it's, no. There's no surprise left. Yeah, we already know what's coming. It's like knowing what's under the tree for Christmas. Yeah. Which I did when I was a kid too. So maybe I should be used to that. I don't know. Yeah. I. For me, I can't pinpoint a single keynote moment where I was like, "Yes, this is the thing." Um. I think that I had a little bit of that feeling with Apple Music. Uh, because to me, I thought that was a huge deal. Which quickly went uh, away, didn't it? Well, yeah, I, I, I lost a little bit of the love for that. You lost uh, that loving feeling. I think if you re rewind a little bit more, um, when they did iTunes Match, that was huge for me. Because it was like, as soon as they announced that, I was like, I can relieve so much space from my phone and have all of my music all the time. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, um, that one was big for me. Um... 
I don't know. I there are so many great moments from the keynotes, and I can't place a single one. Oh, maybe maybe WWDC when iOS seven came out and they did the the complete revamp of the UI. That one was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Um, and basically to see how they they change things. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe as I think on it more, we can revisit it another time and I'll come up with some other. Some other good answer for that. I'm sure we'll revisit it. Uh, so I think that kind of wraps the uh, the uh, history of us and Apple. Do you uh, <laughs> want to tell me real quick your something of the week? Oh, yeah. And I was telling you off the air, I'd actually forgotten about this until they contacted me to ask me what color I wanted. It's called the Pop Slate 2. And what it is, it's a case for your iPhone. Um, and it acts as an auxiliary battery to keep your iPhone charged longer, but it also has a built-in e-ink second screen on the back. Shatterproof, of course, so you know, it won't break every time you lay it down on the desk pretty hard. But uh, what it does, it, uh, you can use the back of your, of your case there to, to look at, you know, you can have the, like, the weather showing or a stock you want to follow scores for a basketball game. You can also use it as an e-reader um, They kind of push it as like a smartwatch, but with a five inch screen. So, you know, if the Apple watch isn't your thing, maybe this might be something you might want to look at. Uh, they say it only adds uh, what, 0.16 of an inch, one, 0.16 of an inch, the thickness to your iPhone. Um, like I said, it has the built-in ink display. You can set up customizable dashboards and smart alerts that will show on the uh, uh, back. Uh, it, they have a photo here of one thing I didn't think of. They could actually use it as uh, for tickets for airlines instead of having to turn on your iPhone and scan it and everything. It would be right on the back. Uh, oh, nice. The ink's usually easier to scan than a, a regular LED screen anyway. So Sure. Uh, they have customizable clock faces. You have updatable or you know customizable news feeds. Um, and I guess the whole idea is you know between having the built-in extra battery and the e-ink, you're not going to be turning on your iPhone so long so much. So you could get a lot more battery out of your iPhone or better usage. Plus, it uh, allows you to charge and sync with using just a regular old lightning cable instead of like some of the battery cases require you use a micro USB or anything like that. So uh, we're going to include the link in the show notes. Uh, when I got mine months ago and promptly forgot about it, it was a lot cheaper. But right now, it's still, it's a decent deal when you think of what you're getting. I mean, a battery case now usually runs you 50 60 bucks for a good one. This is uh, $89 for a, a Pop Slate 2 case, and that includes the e-ink e display on the back as well as the built-in battery protection by iPhone 2. Uh, it works for the 6, the 6 Plus, the 6S, 6S Plus. you got three color options, black, white, and blue. And it looks like it'll be delivered sometime in July of this year. So you might want to check that out if you've ever... Uh, if you're in the market for a battery case, you get a little something extra there with the uh, extra display. Very nice. My uh, my something of the week this week is something very not techy, but it is something that I have found uh, entertaining, to say the least. Uh, I think we all remember having Silly Putty as kids, and 
some of the fun stretching and goofiness you can do with that. Uh, this is Crazy Aaron's Thinking Putty, which is essentially silly putty for adults. Uh, it doesn't have to be for adults. I guess kids could have it too. Uh, but it is a bigger container of this putty, and you basically just kind of twist it and uh, hold on to it, stretch it, pull it, whatever. It's just something that kind of entertains your hands, which is, I guess, good for thinking, is that it, it helps you if you're fidgety. And so I use it... Uh, I have a, a little container of it at my desk at work, and anytime I'm trying to solve a problem or think through a problem, I grab it and I just kind of twist it, and you can ball it up and pop it and make loud noises and scare your coworkers and all kinds of fun stuff like that. And it's just a fun little little thing to have. Um, and you can get it for like as low as like eight bucks on Amazon. They have all kinds of different sizes and colors. And I was going to ask you which color you had. Uh, I have the. Uh, it's blue, and it color changes to kind of a yellow green. Um when it gets warm, so as you play with it more, it, it changes color, and it also glows in the dark, which is Ooh, they have a magnetic kind one. of fun and entertaining. And you can do some crazy northern, stuff. Northern light one? Uh, the northern lights? Mine is called Emerald Sky, and it is glow-in-the-dark and what they call hyper-color, which is their color-changing thing. And it comes just in a little aluminum tin, and you, you, like I said, you just pull it out and kind of twist it around and whatever, and it helps you... Uh, Helps you think through your problems, I guess. Oh, I'm gonna go get the I'm gonna get the Krypton. So it's it, it's a fun little thing, and like I said, it's super cheap on Amazon. Uh, if you're just looking for something at your desk to to have, I know people have all kinds of things. They they play with rubber bands or paper clips or a stress ball. It's all the same idea. It's just something to kind of give you uh, something to occupy that one of your senses to help you think clearer. Cool. So. We'll have a link in the show notes to the Crazy Aaron's Amazon store. You can find all kinds of stuff there. And uh, with that, anything else for tonight, Mr. Hauk? No, I'm good. <laughs> with that, you can find the show notes for this episode at magnificentpodcast.com slash 32. You can treat it tw- treat us. You can tweet us your questions. You can tweet us or you can treat us. You can treat yeah. us with your tweets. That's right. Uh, using the... Uh, the at Magnificent FM or using the hashtag Ask Magnificent. And uh, when we collect a few of those, we will kindly share them with our, with our listeners. Uh, if you're into reviewing shows or sharing your opinion, you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes. A couple people have, and we definitely appreciate that. And it also helps people find the show, and it tells us you care, which is super awesome. Uh, my thanks to Chris, who is wildly hopped up on his cold medicine and, and whiskey. A little uh, bit of whiskey, just in the, for medicinal purposes only. Just a little bit. Just a touch. Uh, if you care to find either of us on Twitter, you can find Chris at CL Hauk, and I'm always around at Ian Fuchs. And with that, until next time, bye, Mr. Hauk. See you later. I forgot to eat my lunch, so I'm trying to eat my lunch really fast. All I have left is some some grape tomatoes. I love grape tomatoes. They're my favorite kind. I do too. The only way Julie can get me to eat salad is to like load it up with tomatoes and cucumbers mm. and pepper. But I, I'm not a big lettuce fan. I can't stand lettuce on anything, like a sandwich or anything. Really? Yeah. Pretty much if I want a f***ing salad, I will order one. Do not put lettuce on my sandwich. <laughs>